You're listening to Rockclass Radio and this is your host Tanmay Shah. Today we are going to Bali, Indonesia. And joining us is Tyrone Williams, who is the host of Signal Podcast and the organizer of NFT Bali, the longest running NFT art event that I've ever heard, 31 days at different locations and venues. He's the founder of the Collective Solution and he has brokered over eight figures in acquisitions in Bali this episode you will hear amazing and fun facts about Bali and Indonesia that you had never heard or seen before we talk about sales and event management and amazing quotes shared through the episodes the best way to support this show is to share this with your friends and subscribe to the newsletter to receive the latest episode of Rockclass Radio in your inbox. So, Tyron, how are you doing today? First of all, thank you for bringing me on the show. I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking and uh, I'm excited to get into this with you. Um guide the way and 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 we'll follow your how you like to do this. Sure. So, first we'll talk about Bali, Indonesia, then we'll talk about you and then we'll go to the signature round. So, that's a common questions we ask everybody. So, what is the most unique aspect of indonesia that you find that you find particularly interesting okay that's a big question that's a big question first 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 i guess we'll contextualize i'm half indonesian myself i've been coming here all my life mostly in jakarta and bandung which are more cities you know jakarta is kind of like the financial capital it's the, where the government is bandung is kind of more in the mountains um bali is the single hindu island out of a predominantly muslim and christian country um every other island there's 13000 islands in indonesia uh, is either muslim or 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 some kind of a christian or catholic right and so it's interesting because bali seems to act like the first step for most people most foreigners ever coming to indonesia they go to bali first and then they explore all the other islands and all the other islands are super diverse with all their own languages um you being an indian man i i understand that uh, you guys also have a lot of different dialects and languages all across the country right similar to that i think what's the most interesting thing or the reason why i'm here at the moment personally is that by being in bali i get to build a global network um there's a lot of opportunity there's a lot of really high level of remote workers travelers um great infrastructure great uh, cost of living and very creative very interesting entrepreneurs people think it's a holiday destination and it's great for that but there's a really strong market participation and market penetration when it comes to you know blockchain technologies even ai technologies um really cool real estate companies and yeah it's just a really interesting place to be at the moment i can't think of really one thing that makes it interesting but i think the the diversity of different cultures that are here and the absolutely astounding service industry um and the culture is it just makes a beautiful melting pot of of talent and opportunity and and mm. and everything that bali is known for you said the only hindu island so that took me back of the epic of ramayan in that's where i first heard the name of bali there's a character called bali and is that is there any correlation to that story and the name of the island I don't but now now I I I I don't actually have enough uh insight into that question but now I'm intrigued <laughs> and I want to know so so I'll have to go and research that. That's very interesting. And 
everybody in the world knows about bali but they don't know about indonesia so that's how popular bali is yeah a lot of people go bali oh, that's pretty interesting i think i'm going to go to bali and then i'm going to try indonesia i'm like you know bali is indonesia right like so, so that that comes up very often yeah so wow how did you think bali got so popular and became such a global destination look you know it's always been a great i think mainly first the culture is very interesting the island itself is large and 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 very beautiful um the climate's fantastic and it it typically follows there's a theme right there's a trend where surfers will go first and then yoga people will go and then some businesses will be built to service them and then more people will go and then you know businesses more businesses entertainment f&b hospitality businesses all spring up in that region and then more people can come right uh, and bali's definitely done that um in a really good way but more recently with the rise of remote work right especially after the pandemic you know a lot of people realize that they can work from anywhere in the world why would they work in a city when they can work on a beautiful island be surrounded by beautiful opportunity and and, and people and and interesting concepts everywhere um live a better lifestyle for 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 a lower cost right like and and be around more interesting people you it's it's super super important to your network and so i think that's become a huge contributing factor not to mention the real estate opportunity here in bali is very very lucrative at the moment um and it's fantastic i mean of course it, it comes with its own challenges but even last year you know bali hosted the g20 and a lot of a lot of the world leaders all came to bali um they closed down one part of the island just for government officials um cz from binance was here you know all the big presidents and stuff like it was a very interesting time it's a very interesting place to be at the moment and this year india is hosting the g20 fantastic i'll have to come i'll have to come i'll, I'll come to some of the side events and uh which part of india where where is it being hosted it's all over different places in india even in ladakh there was a thing so it's not at one location it's spread out throughout the country different even in the northeast it's very interesting that they are spreading it out so that all the cities get the same attention yeah it's good it's good because then people get to see a better representation of a place right like if you have if i had my 31 day event in just one venue it would be really boring really quickly and they wouldn't really understand what bali was about right that's why oh, we so it was at different people. events wow yeah there's 31 different uh, there was um 31 different days with over 38 venues wow right venues and venue options and you know after party places and It, it was a lot of fun we'll talk more into detail about that before i mean uh, <laughs> when we start talking about you so second thing i want to share was we had anastasia as you said many people from the foreign come and settle here so she this is a 13 year old girl you might have met her she creates nfts and art her parents are from poland she is in indonesia now and she had co-hosted with me one of the many of the spaces twitter spaces as one episode of the nft uh, art for kids so you can find it but it is very interesting to know that people want to come there nas daily and so many vloggers and people i think bali and jakarta are one of the most instagram places <laughs> absolutely 
Absolutely. How do you how did you think it got so much popularity? Did government take some special actions or how was it promoted initially? That's a good question. I think that's that's, you know, would be very interesting to study the history and how it all started, but of course, you know, if you go back long enough, there's a, the Dutch colonization um and there's still long deep relationships between here and uh, and the Dutch. And so they've been coming back and forth for a long time. And then that's part of Europe, so more Europeans hear about it. And when you think about Australia where it's positioned, um Bali's really kind of the closest island destination, you know, as Australians think Bali or Thailand, maybe the Philippines to a lesser degree, but those are kind of like the top 3 places Fiji? Australians will, will travel to. Fiji, what about Fiji? Beg your pardon, say that again. Fiji? Fiji too, absolutely, yeah, but when they want a more kind of um Southeast Asian experience they go that way towards mm. Bali a lot. Fiji is definitely a good choice too. I I know Tony Robbins has uh has his resort there and does date with destiny there. So I'm definitely going to have to do that at some point. So Bali is so interesting and why as this question is mostly I mean the promotion aspect of it from the government side of view there's so many amazing beaches and goa is there there's so many other locations in the world but if you observe and study what the indonesians have done to promote bali that would be a great it would make for a great study for how to attract tourists and then also for the property real estate everything follows that right once you start getting in tourist business all all the different aspects of the economy start growing all together with that Absolutely, it's their number one industry, tourism, right? And they 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 want to make crypto the second biggest industry, but tourism's the first. Absolutely. You mentioned you are half Indonesian. Yeah, but from North Sumatra and Medan, uh, my tribe are the Batak people, um, and the the other half is Australian. You know what Batak means in Hindi? Tell me, I would love to know. Duck. Duck. Yeah. We are the duck people. <laughs> you know, I like that because I we we like to talk about um the duck analogy in our company. Where as a leader you need to be like a duck. And people go, "What do you mean?" Well, you know, if have you ever looked at a duck on a lake of water? It just glides, right? It's so smooth. It looks like it's not moving, but it's moving through the water super fast. But if you look underwater, It's... under the surface, the feet are like <laughs> it's going crazy. There's so much chaos. but on the surface calm collected graceful sexy even and also it never gets wet <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah so that's amazing the duck is an amazing um what do you say to study another bird and amazing stories on that i want to take everybody to show where is bali and indonesia on the map so i'm going to share my screen and take you all there this is Indonesia such a big country wow thousands of island i i guess 17000 was that came up and let's find bali it should be right here this is bali in such a big country when you look at the country the 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 the, the island of bali it's a very interesting uh like the the actual scale of it when you look at it it might look like a small island and a lot of people think that the only thing in bali is like changu uluwatu and ubud but actually you can fit 
four or five major world cities on the island of Bali and still have space left over to build new cities. You can put oh, Tokyo, wow. New York, uh, and three, and I believe Berlin as well, some of the, 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 the European countries all on the island and still have space left over. There's even people who are building, you know, micro villages talk about like 55 hectares, 100 hectares with an entire thriving ecosystem of, you know, businesses and architecture, sustainable architecture and very, very, very interesting carbon neutral, um, next level architecture, innovation, you know, like real world leaders are building very interesting things here. Where are you talking to us from? Right now I am in Chamagi. So just down here on the left, on the Southwest coast, right near where all the gray is if you zoom in right where you are yeah down to the right a little bit zoom in zoom in zoom in okay where are we uh see do you see that word sese down the bottom there s-e-s-e-h somewhere around there in the south or in the north yeah just bottom right hand corner of the, the screen sese I should be looking at the coastline, no, or in inland. Uh, inland, yeah, yeah. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Cool. So I'm around there. I'm about five minutes to the beach. It's beautiful. It's so you beautiful you hosted right your events all around Bali. Typically, we keep to the south of Bali within the bucket, which is that thing at the bottom, um, and within the range where we were before, Sese, just before, mm. a little bit further on the right. So mm. down here. In between Sese and Denpasar, we go, and then we go up to Ubud a little bit. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a great place. And then, you know, each region of Bali has a different, brings something very different to the table, mm-hmm. right? You go to Ubud, it's like this, one of the spiritual cap- hubs of the world. You go to Changu, it's really high cash flow and business and parties and shopping and tourism, right? And then you go down to the east side in Sanur and Nusadua. It's really like hotels and resorts and holiday destinations for families or retirement families or, you know, young families. Mm. And then up north, there's a lot of beautiful beaches, but it's a little harder to get to and it's far from the airport. But fun fact, you know, there's talks of, of an additional airport being built in the north, um, mm. especially considering, you know, there's a, there's a giant, uh, uh, I don't know if it's Disney or, or someone is creating like a theme park up in the north of Bali. So they're going to need their own airstrip. So they're taking it to a Singapore level. Yes and no. In Singapore, you can build skyscrapers. In Bali, you're not allowed to build anything taller than the highest tree in your region. Oh. So it keeps it nice and natural. It keeps everything, you know, there's no skyscrapers. At most, there's, you know, three or four floors, maybe five. Um, but there's got to be a tree that's taller than your building. Mm-hmm. And you are so close to the equator. How does it feel like living on the equator? Beautiful. It's beautiful basically all year round. If it's raining, whatever. I'm in a nice villa. I can stay inside. I can get my work done. Um, right now as we speak, you know, just for the listeners to kind of get a peek, that's the uh, vibe outside. Um it's very nice. It's a, it's a nice lifestyle. And how did your parents meet? Where is your tribe and where is your other half from? Yeah. So my parents, my parents met, um, that's a, that's a, I mean, that's a long story, but my mom actually uh, met my father who's 11 years older than her, um, 
through friends in the modeling industry when she was 17. They kind of got together when my mom was 19. They actually had me when she was 19. My dad was 31. Um, they were together for a couple more years. And then she, my mom actually moved to Singapore um, with me and, and, and started her career at MTV. And, 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 you know, she was an international model and she did really well for herself, uh, especially, you know, her career has been quite impressive. I, I learned a lot from her. Um, she was a great MC and TV host. And so your mom is things. your mom is from Bali, uh, from Indonesia, and your dad is correct. But technically, actually, if we really get down to it, my mom's half Australian, half Indonesian. So I'm only a quarter. Okay. My father's Australian. Um, but if we go down even deeper, you know, the Australian side of me has European um, roots in France, a um, little bit of New Zealand going on as well. Um, so, so I'm really, you know, I'm a, I'm a kid of the world. My mom used to say the same thing, you know, we're, we're just children of the planet. Um, and I, I really, I feel very much at home, whether it's Singapore or Australia or Indonesia. And I imagine I'll feel pretty at home basically wherever I go, right. Cause home is where the heart is. And, uh, obviously if you, if you really look into it, the hearts in our chest and we're always home. Right. So. And now everybody is coming to Bali. So the world is also coming to the Bali. Exactly. <laughs> and it, it's, you know, what's interesting is it only seems to attract. If I generalize and I make a majority statement, it seems, or at least in my circles, maybe I'm just lucky. It seems to attract some very interesting people. You know, the right kinds of people seem to come to Bali. There's either the, the entrepreneurs or the people looking for healing and they're ready to do their healing, um, which just kind of results in a beautiful, beautiful energy on the island. Yeah, for sure. And to answer, where's my partner from? She's a half Australian, half Dutch. Uh, she's here with me in Bali. My parents are you know, back in Australia doing all kinds of other things. What is the best advice you would give to somebody planning to come as a tourist to Bali? A lot of people go for a week. A week isn't enough. You need to come for at least a month. You know, you need to get yourself here. You need to, you know, a lot of people try to do all of it all at the same time within a week. They do two days here, two days there, two days here. And two days is not enough for any of those areas, let alone trying to do all of them in one week. You don't see anything besides one cafe and one lunch spot, you know, maybe one sunset if you're lucky. If you're not lucky, maybe it's rainy that day and you really have to see these sunsets. They're absolutely stunning. So you got to give it a little bit of time, right? And you got to look a little bit deeper than just the first thing you see on YouTube. You got to explore, mm. you got to go on an adventure. It's it's, be it's beautiful. And to come for a month, get integrated with some of the communities based on your interests. There's, you know, if you're into dance, there's salsa lessons, there's all kinds of things. If you like to party, there's a lot of that. If you like to, you know, do holistic healing, or if you're really an entrepreneur, you want to meet investors, there's a group for that, right? There's telegram groups all over. They're very interesting people. Join in, have some fun and, and, and see what happens. Follow some of the locals to some crazy parties. What is your favorite festival in the country? Oh, I haven't been to enough. I, I couldn't give you an answer about that. Um, Whichever you have been, not, I mean, personally, which is your favorite? It, honestly, it's, you know, Boiler Room was pretty good. That's not really a festival. It's more like a, a two or three day event focused very much on music and bringing music people together. Um, there's some great events that happen in the mountains with small, intimate kind of groups of 50 to 100 people that all kind of, you know, introduce each other to each other. It's nice. It's this, there's all kinds of things. I, I'm not so much a, a festival person, you know, even with NFT Bali, where most crypto events, most events companies that are commercial, 
focus on, you know, can we get thousands or 5,000 or 10,000 people in our event? Um, you know, how can we do, can we do something like that? And for me, my events are limited. Even for NFT Bali, we limit it to 200 people. Mm. Right? It's not an, it's not just an art event. You know, the art piece comes at the end in the final seven days, the first 20, you know, 24 days is there's a hackathon. There's an angels and founders week. There's a, um, you know, a, a welcome week on the first week where you're really just kind of getting, getting to know each other and going on adventures. And so it's, it's, it's for me, I, I got to kind of, I don't think anyone's doing it that way. And it kind of couples my, my, my whole point of you need to come for more than a week. So you've got to come for a month when you come to my event. Um, and you got to be at a stage in your life where you can remote, you can work remotely. Um, and we, we tailor to that. So it makes sure that you can still get stuff done during the week. You know, it's not all day, every day for 31 days. It's some days are in the evening, some days are in the afternoon, but we're curating that in a way where you get an experience unlike what you would get as a tourist, uh, with Maybe a lot of things is. that we offer that are, you know, not available to the average tourist. Yeah. I have pulled up the, the collective YouTube channel. Let us show some glimpse of the event to the audience. NFT Bali is a whole bunch of things. I would say being here, like, you know, together with a mind, you keep seeing the same people. Every day for 30 days. And the type of connection you make then is much, much deeper. I've managed to form deeper relationships with, like, my clients that I have coming around and people that I'd never known before the event. incredible to watch yeah it was i love the music that was going around with it and we got good glimpse of how things look like in the bali and different islands and people and the whole vibe <laughs> pretty cool and 31 days what inspired you to start that and how was your story with nft bali 
I was sitting in Discord with our inner circle, the people who are, you know, our most, most trusted advisors and friends and, 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 and almost family, right? And uh, I was in Bali and I kept talking about bringing them here and they kept talking about me going there. And I was just like, you know what? I'm kind of lazy. I don't want to go anywhere else. Bali's perfect. I don't need to go anywhere else right now, at least not in the short term future. So let me just bring all of you here. All right, we'd spent a year and a half already curating some very, very interesting things, interesting people in, in, in blockchain and AI. And so just bring them all together as an opportunity to really meet each other and not just meet one-on-one, -on -one, but like meet one-on-one -on -one many times with many different people you already had a little bit of a relationship with. Um, again, it, it, you know, it really kind of ties back to a week's not enough. And I really want to show you to be here and really, actually, I have an underlying intention to bring people to immigrate here. And 6% of our attendees have actually either already immigrated here now as a result or are in the process of immigrating here. And that number is going to grow each year. And we're going to get better at it. We're going to have a, a more seamless process to bring people here. Um, Very interesting. So it seems it's quite easy to immigrate. If somebody wants to, what is the process for them to settle down there? Dude, if you have uh, enough money to, to rent a place in a Western world, you have enough money to rent a place here that's nicer than what you've got in a Western world for the same prices, for sure. That's number one. Number two, uh, if you're making money online, it's very, very easy. You can just keep making money online. You can come here on a business visa and you can spend money here. Nobody's going to complain. Uh, if you want to start making money here, you got to open up a business and get a quitas and get appropriate visas. But for now, there's a really simple way to come. You could te theoretically come tomorrow uh, and stay for 60 days. Most, I mean, most passport holders, I'm not sure about what passport you hold or what that looks like, but in general, most people can just come for 60 days. They can leave for a while and then they can come back for another 60 days while they're testing it, right? Don't commit full time immediately. You don't need to commit to years and years, but try it for, you know, a couple months at a time. And then while you're making money from here and, and integrating and, and making friends and doing cool shit, you can start looking at, a more semi-permanent place, right? You can le you start leasing things for a month or a year at a time. And then you're and here. How quickly, how much time does it take somebody has decided, I love this place, I want to become a resident now? It happens pretty quickly, typically. <laughs> we've, had, we've had people move directly after NFT Bali or stay another month and then come back after going back to their country for two weeks to tie up loose ends. I've got, I'm currently in this place because as I said in the beginning of the podcast or maybe before we start recording, I actually live next door. Um, I got this place for six weeks for a bunch of my friends to come and live here uh, and all of them were here for NFT Bali and now they're coming back to stay here for six weeks and, and, and test out the lifestyle. So once somebody has decided from the government point of view, how much time it does it take? Because in US, it's a very, very long time for somebody to immigrate and other countries have other rules. You so know, believe... we're getting a business and a kitas, you know, the, pro the whole process, depending on how quick you are with documents and payments and everything can, can be, you know, can be done pretty quickly, depending on, on, on how efficient you are. Um, but if you've got everything ready, you know, it could take a month or two. Mm. And you do have to be, how much do you have to pay to become a resident? Uh, it's not a resident. You just get a kitas, an investor kitas, which allows you to what have is kitas? Here. kitas is like just another word for some, you know, it's, it's their word. And okay. it, it's not quite permanent residency. It's not quite, um, you know, it's something in between. Yeah. It's, it's, it's their own thing. You can own a business. You can have employees. They can work for you here. They can make money here, but you can't physically work 
as a worker uh, here. Um, ah. You know, me me running events, for example, I cannot be the one who is doing all the the lighting and everything. I can go there and I can speak, um, and I can be a good host for my own event. But I, I you know, if I'm going to start doing all that, I need to have a business here. I need to have all the right visas, and and and, and that's important. But you know, it's not typically that difficult. Um, and and for about you know, let's call it five grand us you can be set up pretty 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 ready to go amazing you have a record of broking eight and above figures in acquisition how did that happen and that that's brilliant congratulations for that first of all thank you by and large mostly right place right time with the right intention it was very lucky uh if we define luck here as 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 you know opportunity meeting preparation I was prepared because I was already bringing people together in the collective solution who were high quality. Um, and I was always just putting people together based on why, based on who I believe they need to meet for both of them to grow together, some kind of a win-win deal. And most of it actually came from one large deal, one large deal, which was me introducing Land Vault to Sam Huber from Admix. Sam Huber from Admix met Boomer and Satsuma from Landvault. Uh, by the time it was like the ninth month in their business and they'd already scaled to a multi-million dollar business, it was just absolute craziness. Um, and then after a year, they got acquired to Sam Huber and we were involved in that, those introductions, making sure they got along and, you know, that was it. And we never asked for anything for those for, for those. Uh, our, our first two years was very much about proving that we we're valuable in this market. Um, mm. You know, before this, I was running a, a business club for real estate agents for seven years um, and focused a lot on, on, on just my business. But now I'm very much focused on, you know, bringing people together through events with a really curated uh, manner. So you're a catalyst. And for the worldwide audience who's listening to this and don't know these companies, which industry they belong to? Which, say, say that last bit again. Which industries these two names you took belong to? So Land Vault and, uh, so Admix came from the gaming industry. Admix was the, one of the premier solutions for in-game advertising and monetization of games and gaming audiences. Um, they did really, really well. Sam Huber is now based in Dubai. He has since moved there before, uh, after acquiring Land Vault. And Land Vault was a Web3 native uh, metaverse development company where most of their client work was creating, you know, sandbox and decentraland worlds based on people's needs and desires, right? Because all these people would buy sandbox land. This was back in, you know, the peak bull run uh, and, and the mania of digital land. And so much money was being spent on these digital parcels of land. Um, now there's these owners with empty plots of land who want to see those plots of land being built into something. And so they were the largest, the fastest growing, the highest quality uh, development house for developing metaverse lands. And they grew to like over 100 developers uh, in their team, uh, scaled very rapidly. It was a high cash flow business. Uh, and then they sold it. And, and uh, both, you know, great, great, great people. All, all the people there involved are, are, were pretty wonderful. Wonderful. Many of our friends who are artists had participated and sent their artworks especially trezor's works to the exhibition 
how was the art event and what response did you get and how was it the art week was amazing it was the first up, uh, first time we tried so last year we organized everything by ourselves but me bella and tina from promotion events who's been running events here in bali for 25 years uh we kind of collaborated and she you know we it was just three of us right we raised all the sponsor money did all everything to do with ticketing and and whatever right graphics everything from a to b and actually hosting the thing and even partying with the guests right and so um this year very dear friend of mine stanley who now has since gone on to to expand on the the art week concept pitched me he was like look dude you're bring doing nft bali for 31 days i think you know considering it's about nfts and web3 technology and, and the blockchain we should definitely have an art week because a lot of the initial conversation around web3 tech and nft specifically was for the impact on secondary markets with royalties in art right which is very very interesting and so absolutely i said let's do an art week it'll run in parallel to the main event on the on the last week um tell tell us how we can help you know and 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 we we did open calls and it went really really well complete uh, credit and kudos to the musehive team now it, it didn't used to be musehive they were all just members of the collective that i'd introduced and one of them knew each other already and um you know they they ran a f- spectacular event with a great great turnout it was a free the art week the exhibition itself that ran parallel to the main event was free every the the, the you know the the networking with with the founders and everything continued for for ticket holders but the public you know all the local indonesian artists the expats the families could go to the exhibition any day of that week and have a great time and 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 that was fantastic there's a phone or something ringing yeah someone walked past and they were okay. they, they were walking past with their phone okay so that's very great to hear i believe now you are an expert at hosting events and organizing events what are some tips you would give to some a viewer who is looking forward to organize events i mean first and foremost why are you running events right are you running uh, the very essence of running events is you need to decide who you're bringing together because if you're just you're just bringing people together that's what it is right you're bringing people together to share an experience and so for for me it's like who are you bringing together and why should they meet each other that's one of the biggest points that you need to make so for me specifically in my kind of curated events it's important to know who's coming beforehand to be able to understand who they need to meet during the event and making sure the right people are there that's the first piece the second piece is you know even if you're running a commercial event you really got to hit people up with all five senses right like if you want a fully immersive experience the food's got to be delicious the, if there's drinks the drinks have got to be you know really really nice there's got to be great smells um any materials that are used in the venue need to be need to feel good uh and and the entertainment has got to be world class right and so if, for me i really focus heavily on quality and speed and getting things done really really well at a high quality really quickly uh at a moment's notice so we we get to run a lot of white label events here in bali as well for other uh people I have hosted one of the biggest events of my college so I know what goes into it what are the biggest challenges you faced and how did you overcome that the first time the first time we tried to do this it was just an idea we didn't have a proof of concept we didn't have media to showcase that it's possible and the first thing most people said was nobody's ever going to go to a 31 day event uh that's too long um we quickly found out that's not the case and and we're already getting applications for next year and you know it's really just about choosing the right people 
right? Because there are so many people who would love, like, think about it, right? We don't just work 24 hours a day. We go for dinners, we go for lunches, we go, and if it's designed correctly and it's designed thoughtfully, it's really a showcase of a, of a lifestyle destination experience. It's not a festival, it's not a conference. You know, there's workshops and stuff that happen throughout and there's parties that happen throughout, but it follows a format of what a week might look like. Right? You've got your yoga day on a Sunday. You've got your co-working days on Mondays. You've got your workshops and presentations on Tuesdays and Wednesdays during the day. Then you go do whatever you're doing. And Thursday's a dinner, right? So you might just work all Thursday. Then you might work all Friday. And then Friday and Saturday night, maybe you go, dan- you go, go for a night out with your friends. And so really, we kind of emulate the lifestyle here in Bali and really showcase it while bringing the right people together. That's so it. planning all the events and detailing the time slots was the challenge. What no, about the challenge, sponsorship? The challenge was 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 get, was an initially was getting sponsorship, and uh, but we're very very proud because you know most event companies I didn't know this until after the last event, um, but I found out from you know my industry mentors basically that most events companies are are actually not profitable and they don't even break even for the first three or four years, right? You got to sink a lot of money in it, into it to build a reputation. But we broke even immediately on the first year with like $400 to spare. And then this year, we even managed to profit like four or five grand, which is not a lot, right? But we managed to make a lot of other people money with our venue partners, our, uh, you know, our real estate partners, our F&B partners, our entertainment people. So we put a lot of money in other people's hands and we're building a lot of friendships and relationships that way. And that makes everybody else kind of want to build it with us. Can you tap the table for me? Yeah, so sometimes in a talking now you are hitting the table, so that that is oh, overlapping that's my leg. the. Yeah. Oh, that's my so, leg. That's my leg hitting the table. Yeah. You know what? I'll I'll cut this part. Okay, so you. How did you approach sponsors? Where did you find and how did you approach and convince them to sponsor this thirty-one days event? So. The first time we ran this, there was a lot of NFT companies that had promised events, uh, but didn't know how to run events, right? Because a lot of the roadmaps, people were just building the roadmap based on what the Bored Apes did. And they all promised, you know, token, merchandise, in real life events. And I realized none of them, almost none of them knew how to run events and they bit off more they could chew. So they had a problem. They had a problem. They needed to be able to service events. And they needed to be able to give their holders utility. You know, I don't really like the word utility. I call it value. So give their holders value. And so for me, it was very, very simple. It was like, let, let me go to all the people who have on the roadmap events and they're not running events. Let me just ask them for a really small amount of money, right? Like developer shops were asking for like crazy amounts of ETH to get things deployed. People were used to spending, you know, 10 ETH, which is 40 grand at the time, just on shit. So I just went to them and I was like, look, give me one ETH, you'll get our silver sponsorship. Give me three ETH, give me five ETH, we're, we're our tiers for the first year. And we just made it all through sponsorships. There was no ticket sales. And we said, the people who own NFTs from any of our sponsors will get different benefits. If you own an NFT from a silver sponsor, you get one free drink at a lot of events. You know, the gold, you get two. The platinum, you get like three free drinks and a meal. And each day would have a different kind of benefit for you. And we invite you to come along, right? Which also made more people buy their NFTs just to come to the event, which then plugged them into communities. And it was, you know, people had a menu of NFTs that they could buy to get access to our event. This year we did it through ticketing because we had more reputation 
And this year, all we really had to do was send our video of the year one plus our new pitch deck. And it was really easy to get into conversation and people were excited to, to be a part of it. Wow. So you found out the value in both the parties and got sponsorship through that. Now, good, you're in the second year, third year is going to be even easier. I want to tell you one thing. I have asked so many people on this show, what are your thoughts on NFTs and crypto? Every 90% of them who are not related to cryptos have given a negative remark or something. They have a negative opinion on that. So how do you think will the sponsorship for the next events come from or what do you have to tell these people? Uh, sponsorships for the next events, there's not going to be an issue. There's enough crypto companies with money that really look for quality products like ours to be a part of. Um, so that's one thing. The second thing is really the people with a negative opinion on crypto have had bad interactions with crypto or, or seen bad representations. Like any emerging market, like any emerging tool, a tool can be used powerfully or negatively. And typically how we pay attention to things with our, with our nerv human nervous system is we pay attention to negative things because it's more important to us to stay safe than it is to go and, and, and enjoy pleasure, right? You, you, fear is a more mo powerful motivator than, than, than uh, joy and enjoyment. That's why the news sells fear. Um, where am I going with that? The tr second truth to that is that 90%, 95% of people who are trying to use these new tools have no idea how to deliver value. A lot of them are first time founders. A lot of them, you know, are just doing it because someone else did it and made a lot of money and they don't know now what to do with it. Right. The, I, I, I really kind of encourage both people who are native to crypto technologies and people who are not yet native or don't really see what's going on. It's like the question is, what happens when you give someone, you know, $5 million when they've never even spent $5,000 on their business, right? They don't know what to do with $5 million and they're openly experimenting and making mistakes and fucking up right? Which is part of the entrepreneurial journey. But now due to this technology has been magnified and amplified in such a weird way that people who, you know, might not have, have succeeded building a real long-term value creation business have succeeded in hype marketing and selling NFTs in a time when everybody didn't know what they were doing. So the market's maturing and real products are being built. Uh, but 90% of businesses don't need blockchain. You don't need to blockchain everything. I think a lot of blockchain people think that you need to put everything on the blockchain. Um, even a lot of Web2 companies or, or you know, non-crypto native companies are now coming to crypto and they're like, hey, we want to do a blockchain version of XYZ. And the first question I ask them is, why blockchain? And most people can't answer. And there's no need for it to be on the blockchain. But when it comes to decentralized ownership or, or, or you and me, like we can start a company tomorrow. Instead of going to a legal lawyer and creating contracts, we can create our own smart contract online, create a company we both own that can do things with digital assets and and even eventually to own real estate together and everything. And all of that is done and we cut out lawyer fees. We cut out intermediaries. It's all done by code. I don't even need to trust you anymore, right? I can do business with you because I think you're awesome. I don't necessarily trust you won't rob me, but I don't need to because the, the, the code is going to keep us both safe. So as long as that business keeps generating money, we're both going to get our equal share, right? And we can always do change it down the mm -hmm. road if we want to by creating a new contract. So trust is on the code. You don't need a middleman. Second, it's a contract. So everything that contract has been in real life, that all contract can be 
without any restrictions of government you can create contract for anything from anywhere second it's decentralized so anywhere around the world can it happen and it's always alive sort of it's always there yeah, nobody can shut seven. it down I, i don't really like to use banks anymore because banks are shut on the weekend they go down for maintenance and stuff the code doesn't the code is alive 24 7 you know it might be a saturday night maybe i spend a little bit too much money might now i need a bit more money because uh, i'm out with my friends and i need to buy something um buy another round of drinks for my friends i'm never going to be locked out because it's the weekend and i can't make a transfer with my bank it's on 24 7 and i can transact with you anywhere in the world you know remittances are are, are changed dramatically it's it has such a high impact on so many things but we're just getting it's it's all just getting started and not not everything needs to be on it what is your top nft of collector this episode is brought to you by tanmay shah that's me best way to support this show is by sharing this with your friends and dropping a comment and review on youtube apple podcast and spotify you can become my patron and a sponsor that's not all you can buy rocklas merchandise and nfts and much more see all the links in description for details uh so i don't i actually don't have a favorite nft uh, a lot of people buy nfts for different reasons um some to collect them just for the art some to invest into projects and speculate uh for me i bought them very specifically to get access to the membership communities because i wanted to meet the founders right because naturally my business model is around, built around founders and investors the fastest way for me to meet them was to become active contributing members of their community um which 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 really brought their interest apologies about the dog uh there's not much i can do about that right now um where i guess we're going to listen to some barking at the same time hope it's not too loud is that your pet this is the pet of this house so my my when neighbor's house i can tell it to who let the dog out yeah for real for real <laughs> <laughs> it it should stop momentarily but that's okay all right So yes you have bought NFTs for the benefit of communicating with the founders which are these projects or founders that you would name if you had to name one Wow I mean there's there's the founder of Eden Ventures I I can't really name one there's the Zeneca from Zen Academy who's building a really beautiful education platform um which is crypto native with with you know short courses free free content a membership community um there's shan who's a a tech incubator nft community from project jira and then mm-hmm. i would probably think about eden from eden ventures uh, the the largest one of the largest web3 vc funds out of the philippines um oh. with, with the world's largest gaming nft and gaming uh, gaming and web3 gaming related portfolios very interesting your mother was interested in music and modeling are you too following her footsteps um i love music i don't my 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 girlfriend plays a lot of music as well she's you know on the side just for fun picking up being a dj um in her spare time having a lot of fun i like to hang around a lot of music people uh, of course i like to to dress well um 
there are some things that we're doing as a, as a fun side project down the road for that relate to fashion and, and uh, giving our community the ability to accessorize and identify with our brand uh, in a really sexy way. Um, It's coming down the road, but it's it's not our main focus. Mm -hmm. Do you speak, how many languages do you speak? Just two, uh, English and Indonesian fluently at the same, but you know, I can, I can speak in both and and converse in both. Okay, great. So let's do the one thing. Can you please close your eyes for us? Okay. Think of your favorite memory. Oh, there's a lot. And, and describe to us in Indonesian. 60 orang ke gedung di Bedukul. Kita bersama 60 orang kita pesta, makan, uh, kayak retreat lah untuk 2-3 hari gitu. Bersama-sama kita pesta sampai pagi. Tapi makanannya holistik semua, organik semua. Jadi enak. Um, terus kan... Cuman ber, ada teman-teman semuanya. Jadi 60 orang kita bersama. Uh, musiknya keren. Uh, makanannya keren. And view-nya sih ada uh, ada sunrise sama sunset. Paling cantik. Wow, I've never done that before on a podcast. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so as we are talking to people from each and every country of the world, it's amazing to hear the sound of their language. That's why. So it was nice hearing that. Now, could you please translate that for us in English? Basically said, you know, 50 to 60 of us, close friends, will go up into the mountains um, here in Bali. And it's a real curated group of friends. We'll go up there and the, the food is from the land. It's all organic. Um, there'll be great music, musicians and DJs playing. Um, on one of the nights, we'll stay up until the sunrise. On the other days, we'll kind of just relax and be really healthy and do yoga, do fun stuff. And it's with a good, great, great group of friends. Amazing. What is one wedding ritual that is very pecu- peculiar to Bali? What is one something ritual? Wedding, wedding ritual. Wedding ritual. Wow. You know, I I don't know if I if I'm the best person to ask that. I don't I don't tip, I haven't typically found myself at too many weddings. Um, still a young young man, and uh, yeah, I mean the. There's, there's so many different kinds, right? There's the expat weddings, there's the local weddings, the local wedding traditions. Like if there's a wedding in my local village here in Bali, in my region, everybody in the village will take the day off for the wedding, right? No matter where they work, they will take the day off because their village has a special wedding for, for and it's the same for funerals. It's, uh, it's very cool. The whole village takes an off. Yeah. Wow. So it's a public holiday in the village. <laughs> Exactly. Not in the whole country, but just not even in the whole island, just in that village. Beautiful. That's something very interesting and special. Talking about that that kind of phenomena, I think it's Indonesia that observes the silence day. Like one day, there's a whole silence in whole country. In Bali, yeah, Nyepi. So the day before is Ogo Ogo, where each region, each village will build lots of these statues. Schools will build them. Organizations will build them. And these statues will be carried around on the street in the night uh, to scare off the spirits. And the spirits then would be, would be above the island the next day, right? So we turn off all our lights. We turn off all the sound. We use no electricity so that the spirits can't see us and they disappear and they leave. And so it's a cleansing of the island once a year. 
and it's a beautiful experience. Typically, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get a, get a few friends together and the day before the silent day, we'll have a great time together and then we'll observe the silent day together and maybe we'll do some art we'll have some fun and, and chill, but we'll be quiet and yeah. So I pulled up some photos. Yeah, exactly. Monsters sort of, now this looks very Indian. Yeah. It's it's a Hindu culture here, right? So it's a mix of uh, Indian and because it also gives vibes of Thai and Chinese dragons in a way. Yeah, like the the the, the Chinese have the lion dancers. Um, they've got similar things here, but instead of a lion, it's a it's a it's a boar. Oh, um, and it's quite interesting. Yeah. So the boar is one of the avatars avatars of vishnu in indian mythology mm -hmm. it lifts the earth out of uh what do you say so when the whole earth is submerged in water the whole the boar lifts it out and holds it on the top and saves lives of people living on earth that's the story i love that that's super cool so what do the people do on the silent day and how many years it has been since you have been observing that? So I, I believe it's a pretty ancient tradition. I, I couldn't really tell you, even though I've been here since I I've been coming here since I was four, I couldn't tell you the full history of it all. Um, so it's ancient. It's not something definitely recently not created. No, no, it's been happening for a long, long time. Um, it's probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest holidays that's island wide. Um, and it's very strict. You cannot leave the, your house on the silent day. You cannot be on the street. You can't be driving. So you can even get arrested if you're caught out of the villa or the, the house. So it's like a COVID lockdown. Sim <laughs> yeah, pretty much. With, and you cannot even talk. So do you even not talk at the, in, inside the villa, inside the house? I mean, you know, I guess that's up to you. As long as you're not disturbing your neighbors, you can you can do kind of whatever you like. Some people are more devout about it. And I imagine they spend a the whole day in, in retreat, almost like a Vipassana retreat. Oh. Um, but, you know, not everybody and, and, and certainly not most, most of the expats, I imagine. So this only, is, this only happens in Bali, not all over Indonesia. I couldn't verify for you exactly how much of Indonesia does it, but I believe it's a, it's a predominantly Bali thing. That's interesting, right? When you have a country which is made up of so many islands and because people and civilization might have grown up in those small pockets without much interaction with other islands, everybody de develops their own traditions and customs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody builds their own cultures, right? Like, And it's the same can be said with, with uh, any communities that you're part of online, right? You're, you really are affected by the people you're around and I think that's a large motivation of why I do what I do, because I want to be surrounded by people who are better than me, who are further ahead than me, who are smarter than me, who, you know, I can learn from or, or I can, I can compete in a, in a healthy way, you know, some friendly competition mm -hmm. uh, and keep, keep up with my peers or try to try to keep, you know, improving each other and inspiring each other to do better. Let's talk about traditional dress. We are exploring dress, cuisines, culture, music of all the parts of the world. So I pulled up some dress native to... Okay, which is your favorite dress? I'll, I'll pull up that. Or which I'm pulling, you tell us 
what occasion is this is this like a wedding dress or a spiritual so this traditional traditional balinese attire um from from my understanding there's balinese attire there's an indonesian attire um and then there's attire based on region um and also age um mm. and even if you you know the difference between if you're married or you're not married you'll wear different things i wouldn't be able to tell you just by sight um you know i i there's definitely an opportunity for me to learn even more i think it's fascinating and balinese dancing is fascinating um the ketchup dance festivals are fascinating um very very beautiful with love this is the of, wedding dress yes yes there's a good photo of my father when my father remarried a balinese woman um when i was 6 or 7 years old and uh he wore very balinese outfits and uh, it was beautiful and very very cool yeah you you mentioned an event what was that let me pull that uh, also uh you are talking about balinese dance ah, yes. and then you mentioned something ketchak k e c a k i think ketchak like ketchup no without the t ketchak fire dance yeah there we go fire dance oh wow yeah and then they walk in the fire and uh, the story goes that there's like a, a it they allow themselves to be in, to embody a spirit or allow a spirit to enter them um it's a possession for the for the duration of the ceremony is very very interesting you know it's so similar to the one which happens in the south india as well this is the photo from south very cool yeah you know the the whole this indonesian and up till korea there was this empire from the tamils i think they spread the culture to all these islands do you speak tamil no no <laughs> it's completely different i wish i actually want to hindi? learn tamil it is hindi and what yes i speak hindi gujarati marathi and english my goodness four languages <laughs> i can only say anne anne saptingla what, what language is that it is hind which is tamil for brother have you eaten oh yes anna yeah <laughs> and wow. then you for you i call you i can say baya yeah baya in hindi <laughs> wow you get to meet a lot and you get to you know a lot of words i i believe that all happens because so many you meet so many people in the events absolutely but also from my days as a salesperson i learned how to say i can't do it anymore I can probably only do it in like four four languages but there was a point at my peak maybe 8 years ago where I could say you're beautiful in like 32 languages um now I still remember you know Arabic I still remember French Portuguese Spanish a uh, few others but how do it. you say you're beautiful in Indonesian language kau cantik cantik is beautiful kau cantik is something you say to a person yeah kamu is like you cantik kamu cantik kamu cantik all yeah. right how do you appreciate an artwork or an object uh in indonesian yeah oh man i couldn't tell you i think it's different by region and and based on how uh how people want to use their vocabulary right that's up to them 
Uh, how would you how would you say? I don't know. I think uh can that be used even for artworks? Yeah, you know, you just say it's watch antik banget, you know, it's like that's very beautiful. Okay. Banget being be, being very, yeah. Okay. Wow, chante banget. All right. Yeah. So Indonesian is the name of the language, right? Or Bahasa. Bahasa is the name of the language. Bahasa right. Indonesian, yeah. Yeah, because people say Indian, but Indian is not a language. It's either Hindi, which is widely spoken, and there are 22 other national languages. Yeah. <laughs> what is the local food that everybody must try? Uh, babi guling, which is they use every part of the pig um, oh. all on the same dish. And it's absolutely stunning. There's so many textures and flavors. Um, there's bakso, which are kind of like the local meatballs that are come in soup. Um, of course, sate and the sambal here is amazing. Uh, all the chilies and spices. Um, there's quite a few. It depends what you're into. How does a pork or a pig dish become popular in a Islamic dominant country? I mean, here it's Hindu. Okay. Right. We, we even had a holiday the other day where, where I, as I drove for my morning coffee, Every hundred meters or so, there was a full-size pig, and there was a whole community of like 10 20 to 20 people. By the time we came back from our coffee, half an hour later, driving the same way, every one of those pigs was chopped up into tiny pieces, and then everybody in the village um, ate. You know, there'd be they all came and cooked together, and then they all ate together, and then yeah, it was uh, just another way for everybody to come together. Coffee. Indonesia makes one of one of no the most expensive coffee and it's made by poop animal poop yes kopi luwak there's a there's an animal called the luwak it eats the coffee beans and then poops them out and then uh, it gets made into a beautiful uh, coffee that's quite delicious actually how does it taste can you describe the taste and compare it with a regular coffee I don't know. I think that's one of those things you kind of just got to give it, give it a go. But uh, it's, it's, it's more uh, pungent, should you say. <laughs> so this is the coffee, the undigested yes. coffee beans are partially digested by this beautiful creature. Yes. Civet. Yes. It's not a cat. It's a civet. It looks more like a dog face. But Yeah. Yeah. It's a strange-looking animal, food, very cute. And then uh, I guess it's made people... So, do you brew your own coffee? No, I, <laughs> I, I like to. I'm, I'm very much restrained in that sense. I like to go to the cafe and get a nice, you know, long black or a, or a flat white, depending on the day. And asking somebody in Indonesia if you brew your own coffee, it would mean, like, do you pet the civet and like do you do the whole process yourself? <laughs> it starts from that. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's very interesting how people find taste and develop taste, right? I'm sure it must be accidental or do you know how origin how how did the origin start of this? Because like actually thinking like thinking and eating a poop of an animal and coffee would not be logical. Yeah. I mean, I imagine, you know, initially people might have just done it by accident, right? I don't know the full history or what, what who wrote the history. Um, but at some point, someone decided 
this might this looks like coffee beans let me just try to roast them <laughs> and it tasted a bit funny a bit different and then they realized it was poop i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah, possible wow so you have a um, history of dutch right who who were you you are a colony of which country rephrase the question indonesia was a colony of which country the dutch uh, so sort of like amsterdam amsterdam okay. netherlands yeah yeah and so uh there's a lot of interesting things happening with the urban planning in jakarta for example that is affected by um, when the dutch built very dutch architecture uh here for a tropical country which resulted in you know very, pretty rapidly rising sea levels in jakarta and many parts of the city are going to be uh it's going to affect their their it's going to affect living conditions that's for sure there's mm-hmm. there's there's some big challenges there so you building a new new capital as well you're moving the capital wow correct where do you think it'll go um it's up in there's a great video for this um let me pull it up and you can maybe share in the show notes yeah so i'll drop this for you um but it's in nusantara nusantara all right you know talking about bali this image of an architecture there's this beautiful temple that comes to my mind let me share it with you it's famous for these ancient uh, temples right do you see mm-hmm. it yeah yeah and there's many temples here there's more temples in bali than there are homes oh wow and even the i was reading a small article about the balinese dance it was first started out for the temples and then it got popularized and became sort of entertainment and indulged with different culture yeah i mean they still performed predominantly at temples or in front of temples um it's still a tradition but they allow people to kind of partake in the tradition i think indonesian people especially the balinese really like to share about their culture and feel a very happy when foreigners or travelers uh show an interest or want to understand and i mm-hmm. i think that's that's it's a it really kind of showcases the amount of love these the the balinese have um it's a really really special place and i think that's something that people notice no matter who they are where they come from they notice that the service industry comes with a lot of love right they're not you know there's many parts of the world i've traveled to where the waitress smiles at you and you can tell she's smiling at you cuz she has to uh whereas the, the 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 people here who who are serving you who 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 are enjoying the process really are in love with what they do and you can feel it absolutely and that's why bali is known as such a warm place right hospitable and people want to come there and it credit has to go to the local people because if local people are they don't want foreigners or they are against entry it it doesn't go anywhere right but when they are welcoming like they are in bali so that's how it is growing so i think one of this is a contributing aspect to growing a tourism destination absolutely big it's the foundation you built on you said you're in sales so what what kind of job you did do you did so, so part of my life uh, there i was actually when i first moved to australia it, it took a little while but i became homeless for the third time in my life i was 20 years old and i didn't have any qualifications or or 
a finished education. Um, I didn't have a network. I didn't have anybody giving me an opportunity. Nobody wanted to give me a job. The first thing I got to do was work 100% on commission selling perfume and then learning how to teach people sales uh, and then managing large teams. You know, I've, I've trained over 500 people in sales now over the course of um, 16 months. And so it was a very, very interesting experience. That's where my, the foundation of my professional career really was built. And prior to that, it was a lot in customer service and hospitality, working in restaurants as a, as a teenager. Um, so I've always been kind of, and sales is service too, right? Sales were just communicating and helping people to solve problems. Um, and so that's kind of where I started. And then I got into uh, a, a broker position as a, as a, kind of like a mortgage broker in Australia, um, helping foreign investors invest into real estate in, 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 in mostly New South Wales. So how many years you have lived in Australia and how many years in Indonesia? I spent a total of about 12 years actually in Singapore and then the rest of it now. Um, so I'm 29 now, 17 other years, 17 of those years. Let's call another 12 in Sydney and, and maybe a total of about four or five years in Indonesia across all the years. You mentioned three times homeless. And every time you got back up and put a, put yourself and you are as, as successful as we see you now. So what did you learn from these three experiences? It's not that bad. I learned it's not that bad. So a lot of people are afraid of like losing everything and having to start over again. I've started over so many times that I'm so willing to go to zero that I, I'm not afraid of failure. Um, I'm not afraid of difficulty. Like a lot of people will give up before I do because they're just not as resilient. And I think I'm more resilient because of those experiences. And I also learned that actually when you're, ho when you're homeless, the biggest difficulty is not finding food and shelter. The biggest difficulty is finding someone who wants to talk to you. So what this was, was this your biggest challenge or what was the biggest challenge and how did you overcome it? Man, my life has been a series of challenges. I don't know. There's, there's too many to, to really pinpoint one, right? There's uh, you know, So it comes to the mind, like the, the most difficult. I don't know. I feel like there's your problems, any, you know, and I don't necessarily even believe in the word, word problem. Um, at most, it's an issue. Um, and an issue just means who you're going to call, right? And so, I don't know, being homeless wasn't ever actually that bad. Um, starting my first businesses and losing them weren't that bad. You know, I think I, I, I tend towards being grateful that I'm alive. I think I'm very, uh, very lucky that I'm 29 years old. You know, my, I, I had a brother who was a set of one half of a pair of twins. He never made it to two years old. He, he drowned in a pool. And my sister uh, was nine when she passed away. Never made it to 10. She had an asthma attack um, too far away from any hospital and died in the car on the way to the hospital. And so for me, even when I've had a failed business venture, even when I've lost all my money, even when I've had to call a friend and say, you know, I need to stay at your place for a while. I just lost my place. It's still a beautiful human experience of loss, of challenge that I get to learn from and grow from 
and when you kind of hit rock bottom, the only way you can go is up, right? And if you're still alive and you're still healthy, you can still be grateful. So I don't know. I, I, I guess, you know, maybe the deeper question there is like, what's a lesson I learned from one of the challenges? I think it's this too shall pass, you know, in the sense that if it's shit, it's going to pass. If you're having a great time, it's going to pass. Just go to sleep, wake up. It's another day, right? Like, and then each day you have to just focus on what you can control. Kind of think of the, the, the serenity prayer. Um, and I wish I, I knew it off by heart, but maybe I'll, I'll pull it up and read it to you all because I think it's beautiful. Serenity prayer. Okay. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. One of my, my sales mentors actually had that tattooed on his, on his forearm, and I really took that one home. Wow. Many times people start pondering upon things that they cannot change or they're not in their control. So give us the wisdom to know which is what. And if something is to be changed, give us the courage and spirit to change it. Beautiful. Yeah, it's powerful. Many, many times people give up on themselves or find the life meaningless when they are in too much trouble. So what kept you going or did you ever get into that mindset and how you, how did you get yourself out of it? You know, I think, I think most of life suffering is, is being unwilling to feel things. And I, th I made a decision a long time ago that I'm willing to feel whatever this world has to offer to me. Uh, I'm willing to feel pain. I'm not afraid of it. I'm willing to feel all kinds of things. That wasn't always the case. Uh, there has been cases in my life, especially in my earlier teenage years, where I was suicidal and depressed. Um, and the truth is it was, it came from a belief that it would never get better. But then, you know, I kind of stuck around because of something my father said, my father also, you know, when he was much younger, when he went homeless at 16, uh, it's funny how cycles repeat patterns repeat, right? He went homeless at 16 and by the time he was 17, he wanted to kill himself. And he told himself one thing. It was like, look, if my life is a book, even if it's a shitty book, I'm just going to read it until it's the final, final page. Let me read it just to know what my story is. And that's kind of what got him going. And his life turned out beautiful. And there was many peaks and peaks and valleys. And so hearing that from him and then, you know, as my time has gone forward, I've had too many times now where I felt so grateful and so overfilled with joy and love that I've looked back and thought, wow, I'm so lucky I didn't go through with that because it did get better. It did get so much better. And I think now having had enough times where shit has hit the fan and it's gotten better has just given me the faith that whatever I'm going through, if it doesn't, you know, it sounds cliche, but if it doesn't kill me, it just makes me stronger. What are you excited about in the future? More of my friends coming to Bali to live to, here in Bali with me. Uh, I think I'm excited by, you know, the, the possibilities that AI and tech are giving us and, I think it's going to allow us to evolve as humans and, and spend a little bit less time on computers and, and get back to nature. And, and a lot of the jobs that we can automate with AI will be automated. People will be able to think more creatively around their careers and what they want to give to the world. Um, 
you know, I think we, we, we don't spend enough time in nature. I don't think we spend enough time moving our bodies and we're, 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 we're really, we've kind of really built a visual world with screens and, and screens and more screens and, you know, and, and I think we got to get back into a little bit more of a physical world. And I think tech is going to enable that and, uh, and potentially even teach us things about, about things we've never learned. Right. And so I, I'm excited by the, by the tech revolution that we're in right now. I'm excited about the potential of my, all my friends moving here. Um, I'm excited to travel the world. I'm excited about a lot of things. You spoke about your own career and about investment opportunities. So what do you think are the good investment or business opportunities in Bali? There's a lot. Um, and I'm not, a, I'm definitely not a financial advisor, but it, it depends what you're into. It seems to be something for everybody. If you're, if you're into health and wellness, there's someone there. If you're into crypto and tech, there's someone there. If you're into real estate and design and, and, you know, music and fashion, it's thriving here. So it's really the best opportunity for you, best financial opportunity for you, for anybody is really the financial opportunity that interests you the most. The thing that lights you up, the thing that you can talk about for days and days and days and get excited about and stay up all night talking about it. And you're obsessed with it. That's the thing you should go into because that's what you're going to most understand and be most excited and most alive. Right. I'm, 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 I'm a firm believer. There's a big difference between being rich and being wealthy. I think being wealthy means far more than having money in the bank. It means having beautiful, um, lasting relationships, compounding relationships. It means having free time. It means having health and, 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 and wellness. Um, so the best investment is and always will be yourself. Uh, and then in the people around you that, that matter and that care about the same things as you. You spoke about so many beautiful things about Indonesia. If there's one thing you could change about Indonesia, what would that be? I don't know. Everything is superficial. At that moment, right now, it's just a magical place. It feels like heaven, heaven on earth. You know, maybe, 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 maybe make it a little bit easier for me to transact in crypto. Um, wow. Maybe, I don't know, some clarification, some simpler uh, immigration laws mm. that make a little bit more sense. Mm. Um, that's really about it. And when people come to Bali, what's the best activity that everybody must do? Shit, that's tough. Again, that's every, that's like everything everywhere all at once. You know that movie? Um, it's really, it's like if you, it, who are, who's coming, right? If you're coming and you're, you want to meet more crypto people, come to some of my events. If you're coming and you want to surf, I got some friends for you, right? Like it's, it's depends. There are different strokes for different folks, but there's the best parties I've been to in my life are happening here right now. Some of the coolest fashions happening here. The F and B's insanely high quality and high, very competitive. Um, resorts are amazing. You know, if you like animals, they're everywhere. It's great. I don't know. It's, you know, up to you. What is other less known fact about Bali? It's like, I mean, it's an onion. A lot of people think it's just for holidays, right? But it's, there's so much going on here. And every time you feel like you've seen it all, you haven't seen anything yet. If you could travel to anywhere in the world, where would you go? Um, I mean, this, over the next two years, I'm going to go to London, Dubai, Costa Rica, and Portugal. Uh, as well as Berlin, and I have to make a trip back to Sydney to visit family. Um, so those are probably kind of the, the, the direction of where we're going to. Maybe Thailand as well as the Philippines and Japan um, for, for a few conferences. 
what is the first impression that comes in your mind when i mention india the dark horse everybody keeps talking about china and the us superpowers i'm a firm believer that india could become a the global superpower uh very very quickly out of nowhere and nobody's expecting it um there's amazing entrepreneurs they're super hard working super intelligent there's almost like a little bit of a chip on their shoulder cuz you know for whatever reason culturally you guys are really on a tear right now with extreme talent um bollywood's even bigger than hollywood most people don't know that um it's fascinating fascinating culture you know yo yogic traditions came from there i i have a deep respect and love for the indian people that i've met so far um you know it hasn't so far been the right time for me to come to india but i'm building more and more friendships and relationships with people there i have to go and see the zo house um from the zo 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 community um where is that meetings uh zo house yeah zo house it is in let's see it doesn't tell me immediately where the and you said is. dark horse dark horse yeah horse like a horse the like, animal yeah, horse when you're riding yeah. a horse so why dark horse that's the first time i'm hearing uh that's just like when you you know when you it's the the horse that you nobody expected to win but wins ah okay um, okay yeah i i i can't maybe right, it's a horse it. racing term australians love their horse racing ah did you do australians even like riding kangaroos like is that a thing no no um but i did once tell someone that kangaroos walk around with uh walk around with boxing gloves and punch people using iPhones and he believed me. They so said we 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 I was 16 years old. I was just joking with a friend of mine from America. I was like, "Yeah, man, they wear boxing gloves and if you have an iPhone like the shape of the iPhone because if you remember the iPhone used to be like the curvy one, um I was like, "Yeah, if you have an iPhone, they'll they'll hit it." So you got to hide your iPhone and he fully believed me. But there are a lot of videos of kangaroos punching also, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's uh, it was it was close enough to be able to be believable. <laughs> yeah, I asked riding kangaroos because I believe they ride ostrich, the the birds. So I believe that's doable for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go to the signature round. Cool. Mention three people, living or dead, that you would like to have lunch with. uh seneca that's a roman roman um emperor steve jobs and whoever my great 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 grandfather was from which side i don't know i don't know either of them i don't know you know if i go go back more than 3 generations i don't know who was in my family not really um i don't think most people do and so i'm really interested to know what 6 7 generations ago looked like probably do you think they'll meet up at one one juncture point like there could be one common grandparent <laughs> possible right yeah possible who knows i mean there's <laughs> only people that are related to genghis khan right so yeah <laughs> yeah we had genghis khan we had episode of mongolia and we talked about genghis khan on that so one in 16 people what question would you ask if you could ask any if you are if you could ask one question what question would you ask zeneka i would get his thoughts on what's happening with ai right now i think you should ask zeneka for that zen <laughs> all right 
what question would you ask steve jobs i would try to get him to distill design or the way he thinks about design to me what question would you ask your grandfather great great grandfather i would simply t- i would give him the whole day and i would say tell me about your life from start to finish and let him tell me the things that come up what it's like what's going on at that time how different it is you know how can i thank him for keeping you know this generation of of of, of uh, this bloodline alive and, and being my ancestor and probably it could be one of the buduk tribes in the middle of the jungle or probably it could be one of the dutchmen's or englishmen's who knows yeah exactly right correct how to make money solve problems solve problems and uh money is simply a form of the people a form of love and appreciation that people give to you for you to store for you to use later and and purchase more services and goods right so more people who feel exp- like they should express love and appreciation to you the more wealthy you'll become and you don't get money by chasing money uh it's much like wi- a beautiful woman if you chase it and you feel desperate for it you're not going to get it but if you're cool calm and collected and you're solving problems for people and you've got a clear direction money's going to follow to flow to you wow you know there's a concept of maya that you just described right now so if you sit at a place whatever you want comes to you like in a meditation position or when you're running there it runs further away and when you are relaxed and calm and within yourself it comes to you so yeah that's maya but very interesting about that about to hear that thoughts even for money solving problems absolutely what does art mean to you art is describing perhaps what cannot be described in simple conversation what value thing art adds adds for the world massive i think a lot of things can be art i think everything from from the way we procreate through sex can be art or i think you know the the way your house is designed and and the way it affects your lifestyle is art i think the way you present your business is art i think drawing on canvases and 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 doing cool things is art how you dance is art so i think it's a it's a huge essential part of the human soul it's how we learn about each other it's how we learn about how we interact with each other it's how we pass stories the stories itself are, are is a beautiful art form maybe one of the most ancient forms of folk human creativity right telling stories so i think it's a it's a massive part and i think mastery in 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 artistry respects mastery in business respects mastery in athleticism i think mastery of mastery itself is the most interesting thing is how can we strive to keep doing better and keep innovating and keep pushing the limits of what's humanly possible and that's inspiring no matter what you do and so again that kind of comes back down to why i do what i do i just want to be surrounded by inspiring people wow what do you want to be remembered for I'm not going to be remembered. Three within three generations nobody's ever going to remember me so I I I I don't really care. Um I just want to enjoy and make the most of it. Beautiful. What is the best advice you have ever received? I mean similar to that someone just recently I've received so much advice over my life but maybe this is the most recent one that I thought was interesting it relates to what I just said. Nobody's going to remember you in three generations. Do you remember the queen? the queen of england 
arguably maybe one of the most significant lifes in recent history over the last you know few hundred years the most impressive powerful woman uh with the craziest accomplishments when was the last time you thought about her she just died recently have you thought about her in the last four months nobody gives a fuck excuse my french i hope i can swear um but no nobody cares right so just nobody's going to remember what you do anyway so just do what you really want to do and enjoy yourself too many people regret having lived life not on their terms doing whatever someone else told them to do only to realize when it's too late they could have should have would have done something different don't wait till it's too late just do it now beautiful <laughs> and even some things that people tell you not to do absolutely you got to you got to often experience it for yourself because who who do they know what you like how do they know what you like right and is there there's like eight you know 6 7 billion people on the planet so many different types of people there's not just one way of enjoying life right and people will project onto you their beliefs and you got to build your own beliefs you you got beliefs and experiences i can believe what i like about the us but until i go there to the us i'll never really know you know this is something i tell to all the opposition i get for doing podcast full time i mean you shouldn't do it and there's nothing in it and they give me so many reasons but i i was like when i look back doing this i wouldn't regret doing this or this is something i want to do i want to talk to people from different cultures and background so yeah there you go <laughs> what advice would you give your younger self trust the process and don't don't need to be in such a rush what is the most priceless gift you have ever received my life and the people in my life what's on your bucket list next shit i don't know travel to japan korea fascinating cultures yeah how about your events have do you, you fe- sorry have you been to japan or korea nope okay we'll i wish i yeah it's it, these are quite interesting i would love to go maybe we'll end up there at the same time who knows yeah probably do you ever wonder about making these events that you do bigger and bigger like what could be a bigger version of what you're already doing so nft bali next year we'll still only do 200 people for the first 28 days but on the last day we're going to invite an additional 800 people to come and join in the fun just for the last 3 days more of a you know entertainment conference model and how do you how how do you think it'll be 10 years from now that's a long time away we'll see we'll see 10 years who knows 10 years who knows that's it's a whole last decade all the cells in my body will be different yep what is something that is your biggest disappointment i don't know like you know i have certainly felt disappointment at the time for different things but i don't know if there's anything i really look back and 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 i'm disappointed about or 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 i typically i typically you know everything's just taking me one step closer to where i'm meant to be um so you don't regret anything no my life's been too interesting you know like any change any little bit of it it would have changed potentially everything and so i wouldn't exchange what i've experienced for anything i really love that quote i'll put it as a caption i want to see the last page of the book 
February. Or it's the last page of the book. Absolutely. <laughs> I need to know how it ends. <laughs> but wow. I'm not in a rush to finish the book too quickly. Yeah, it's not a short book. It's a epic. Ideally. <laughs> ideally, yeah. Maybe there's four books. What is your favorite movie? I don't know. But I will say I, tend, I typically think TV series are nicer than movies just because you can have deeper character development. You can be more emotionally invested into it for a longer period of time. I, uh, yeah, I think so. TV series, and I really like, you know, Peaky Blinders. Um, I really liked Bloodhounds, a Korean TV show. I liked Avatar. Yeah, a few. I still haven't watched Avatar. I got to watch. But is there a TV series also about Avatar? Avatar, the last airbender, not the Avatar, the blue people. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know what happens uh, about episodes and TV series to me? Because every episode ends with curiosity for the next one, right? You, ha- I feel like I have to complete it and I just watch it, complete the whole series in three days. Like I need to reach the end, like as you said about the book. That's why I like movies better because once I start a episode or TV series, I have to watch all the episodes till the end. I'm, I, I, I've definitely had some periods in my life where I do the same. Me and my girlfriend like to binge. You know, maybe we've been working a lot and we plan to like just do nothing for a few days and just destroy a TV series. We have done that before, and it's very satisfying. Um, it's a beautiful way to kind of switch off, but also because we're so interested in storytelling and so interested in cinematography, it's, it's like almost like a case study for why, what makes, you know, great entertainment great. And so it's, it's a nice way for us to spend time. What's your favorite book? Uh, I got too many, man. Like on the, on the nonfiction side, I really liked extreme ownership, Eastern body, Western mind. Um, and anything by Tony Robbins is fantastic. Um, as well as Existential Kink. Very, very powerful book. Um, I'll, se- I'll send a list of those books. Very, very, very good books. Um, and then for fiction, I don't know, the first book I ever read was the Harry Potter Chamber of Secrets, the second book, because um, my mom took me to the cinema. And then I really wanted to know what happened next. And she said, well, there's books you can read while you wait for the next movie. I'm like, okay. And that was the first time I ever agreed to read a book. Uh, when I was like seven years old. And then from there, I became a really well-read kid, you know. And uh, so, yeah, Harry Potter series was probably one of the most impactful in a in a weird way. So you like to read? Oh, yeah. There was a point that I used to read one to two books a week. Um, I've done a lot of like book reviews and recommendations for members of my business clubs. And we've had a lot of discussions around them because I feel like, you know, books are, are basically your mentors. If you don't have access to professional mentors or people around you, you definitely have access to books and you can you can get access to books and they can be your mentors until you improve enough to be surrounded by interesting people. Yeah, they're like the whole life and experience of the mentor compiled in one book mm-hmm. which you can read and grasp. Yeah, it's powerful. You didn't have to live 100 years in their life. You just read 300 pages. Even, even podcasts in a way, right? It captures the whole thought of that person in that moment. I like to call it as a bookmark in the life of the guest. So <laughs> everything, yeah. all thoughts in that. I can, I can relate with that. There's a, there's a few episodes now we're recording of, of guests that have come in the first 20 episodes. Now we're bringing them back um, for, you know, cause it's been a year or whatever. And uh, the lives have changed, things have happened. And it's really interesting to just kind of see where people are at with their, with what they're doing. Yeah. It's, it's like a documentary also, right? Mm-hmm. All, all the questions from diverse angles. What book are you reading currently? 
Um, actually, funnily enough, the, the, the health book by Tony Robbins, uh, it's on my Kindle. I forget. Oh, shit, Unbreakable or Unstoppable or something like this. I just, something, one of the health books. He always has something else, right? There was Unleash the Power Within. There was whatever. So. My brother has also, my younger brother has also written a book on same title, Unstoppable. <laughs> Send it to me. I'll have to have a look. Absolutely. What is, so the book he has written is interviewed from different, he was a sports person. He has had different experiences in life and he has compiled stories of people in different backgrounds into one and put it in different chapters like great success and networking and different qualities and people related to that into the book. That's super cool. It's kind of like Tim Ferriss's book, Tools of the Titans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you can say that. It's more more of the South Asian perspective. Excellent. That sounds like fun. That sounds like fun. Let's do it. Great. I'll send you the link. And I'll also put it in the description. Wonderful. And all those people who get my brother's book, get an NFT from me. So let me know if you're getting from that link. Oh, wonderful. Excellent. Super cool. You're going to have to send me information about your NFT as well so I can have a look at it uh, after this call. Absolutely. It's just a photograph of me and my brother, like just showing that you have, you have the NFT of buying this book. It's fantastic. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. That brings me to the next question that I ask everybody. What are your thoughts on NFTs and crypto and Web3? I think uh, there's, we we're yet to see the way it could really be used. We're yet to see like any tool, I don't think we've really seen people achieve a meaningful mastery on how to use it yet. There's some people innovating and, and, and doing some cool things, but you know, there's a lot of opportunity right now for people to get creative how to build these into their products. I think it's it's just going to be a better way of doing a lot of things, but not all things. Um, and it's just about really understanding this is really just a most relevant for investors or for product type people to be looking at. Um, not everybody really needs to know because eventually it's going to be phased out and you're not going to know you're using blockchain tech. So there's, you know, if you're not interested and this doesn't interest you, you don't need to go and learn it all. You can come to someone like me who can help you uh, make the right moves and to learn and use things that are already developed that actually improve your life. That's a different story. What is one thing you cannot live without? Peace and quiet, man, at the moment. Right. I, I get a lot of people trying to talk to me all the time and uh, it's really just about saying no to things. And I, and I, I, I need and I enjoy my peace and I like to just spend time, you know, in, in a beautiful place with just the people I love and sometimes even just alone. And, and I think it's essential. Makes what, me are you cu- what are you curious about? Everything, all the time, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> I'm an obsessive learner. Mm. Have you created any courses? Yeah, I I did. I have. They're no longer online because um, I if I ever do courses again, I, I want to re-improve them based on what I know now. Um, I had a public speaking course. I had a sales course. Um, I had a small real estate course. I had a, a kind of a business coaching course. It was, yeah, it was good fun. I, I, I enjoy teaching. About sales, what are two top tips that you would give to any, because everybody needs to know sales, right? 
we are negotiating and selling everything all the time even if you don't put a label on it but still we are doing it so what do you think what tips what what are the two top tips you could give for sales number one you got to really understand how people feel and how how you make people feel uh how you can influence that in a in a positive way um and you got to understand and how to read between the lines of what people want what people need by asking questions you know i think it's it's really really important to gather the information and make the person feel heard um because most people want to feel heard and seen and understood if you can really understand them and empathize and re- and you are in a position to solve their problem and you're good at finding people with that problem that you're good at solving that's really what sales is about and sales is just communication and communication should be you know how much are you listening versus how much are you speaking how often are you asking questions right and i i imagine you um bringing a bunch of people on your podcast asking questions you're learning all the time and that's really good you know really really powerful so people can do that in day-to-day careers and conversations just ask more questions to be interesting be interested one aspect about sales i've observed this throughout the time in nfts and in general there are some people who will sell whatever product it is even if it is shady they'll just go and say, say it very confidently but on the other side of the spectrum are some people who are not that self confident and don't have so much self esteem they undersell or they they think they're cheating others by selling what they have that becomes a barrier or a hesitation to talk to people they are not sure that if i mean it's very good it is going to help the people but still that it brings a resistance to even go and ask or take it a step ahead what would you th- say to that yeah yeah so what i say to them is that the uh, think about when you pay money the only time you pay money is because you actually wanted the thing you wanted to eat eat so you paid money for food you wanted clothes so you paid money for clothes you wanted that holiday the only people who are going to pay you are going to be people that want what you have and you should be valued and for solving their problem um you, if you have issues there around receiving money or speaking to people those are two different things right receiving money is one thing that there can be a shame or your narrative might be around money is dirty or evil or whatever or money you know some people believe money is the root of all evil actually the quote the original quote is the love of money above all else is the root of all evil not just money is the root of all evil right someone if someone's just decided the first half doesn't matter let's make the second half famous um yeah just just understand people can make their decisions you're not harassing anybody you're not extracting money from anybody if you are running in a you're a high integrity person doing business and you're really actually solving product problems through meaningful products and services you should be out there representing yourself because as beautiful as the iPhone is if Steve Jobs hadn't sold it to us none of us would be using it we'd still be using those fucking Motorola razors right razors yeah so about money you said talking to somebody is different and getting receiving the money is different so let's go a bit deeper on that yeah sure i mean some people are just in, uh, feel a little bit insecure not confident talking to people in general that's one thing um you know maybe you've got some some insecurities maybe you you know you 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 believe people are judging you it's really really different and it's everybody has a different path to becoming confident speaking and public speaking um so that needs to go on a case by case basis and then you know that's your relationship really kind of like with your with your throat and your lungs and your chest and and being able to 
speak your message, um, whereas financials and value and, and that's actually closer related to your sexual energies and your creativity. Um, you know, and what affects part of the system affects the whole system, of course. Um, but those are two different issues, right? Receiving and asking for money, engaging and interacting with human beings in mm. general, two different skill sets. Make so, no mistake, those are skills, not, not specific knowledge. Knowledge mm. can be learned, but skills must be practiced. Practice, indeed. About money, how to become more confident in asking money? Or how practice. to get more money, sort of? Practice. Improve practice. the skills, practice. 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 And learn from someone who does it better than you. Be humble. There's no shame in learning. Ask someone who's better, who's figured it out. Don't take advice from people who have not figured it out. There's too many poor people advising other poor people how to get rich. How many times should you follow up? Depends. Depends on your business. If you're if it's a fast sale, it's a, it's different. Every every product or service has a different sales cycle. Some products will take you a year to sell, and a year to develop a relationship. Some things will be so I can sell you sell to you in thirty seconds if you already need it and you're in the right place. And it's also about the amount, right? I mean, real estate would take a while. A bit yeah, absolutely. To... Big purchases take big bigger time. If you could travel, if you had a time travel machine. Where would you go in the past or the future and to what place would you go? Honestly, nowhere. I don't want to fuck up the timeline. <laughs> I don't want anything in my life to have changed. <laughs> <laughs> don't fuck up the timeline. Yeah, we have watched so many movies that even small changes make such a big difference, right? You know, I, I read a quote the other day. Um, people are afraid to go back in time because they might make a small change and it'll change the entire present. But they don't think about the small action they make today could have a large impact on the future. Ah, wow. Profound. Can you repeat that once again? <laughs> yeah, sure. So, I mean, you know, we, we, we all understand and accept the, 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 the logic that we can go back in time and change one little thing and it could affect the entire you know, human existence right now as we're living it, um, but we underestimate our potential to do something small today that could dramatically change the future for everybody. Beautiful. I even like the previous quote, my love of money over everything else is the cause of all evil, not money in itself. Wow. So many good quotes in this uh, episode. So Thank you so much for being our guest today. It was wonderful to My pleasure. gain your insights about Bali, about events, about sales and everything else. It has been a wholesome episode. Any parting words for the audience? What would you say? Slow down, take your time, enjoy yourself, hug the people you love and, and, and uh, just recognize you're blessed. You're blessed to be alive and listening to this podcast. You have the time and the, the, the ability to, to listen to people from around the world, learn from people around the world. We are in a very special time to be alive. Be grateful for it. Find other people who are grateful. Hold on to them and have a great time. Wow. Thank you so much. How was your experience today? Any feedback for the show? No, it's wonderful. I like the questions. I like the style. I like I like your energy. You've got a you've got a great um, you've got a great joyfulness to yourself, and I, I I can see you really enjoy what you're doing. 
um, with any kind of like technical or, you know, skill related thing, I think you're on the right path. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily have any direct feedback on how to improve your skills. I think you've got your flavor. Everybody has theirs. Um, yeah, just keep, keep at it, right? Keep, keep consistent. If you're doing this full time and this is what you love, keep going, invest into it and make some magic. Thank you so much. I uh, would love to come to Bali and meet you and give you a hug. Let's do it. Invite you to come to India. I'm so down. I'll, I'll message you when I'm coming to India. <laughs>